0: And welcome to Cami's Supporters Club. I'm Chris Gamara and this is my podcast. In each episode, I'm inviting some familiar faces to chat about the football team they love and the music that goes hand in hand with their passion for the beautiful game. For me, music and football have always gone hand in hand. We all have our personal soundtracks that accompany our lives as football fans and it's this connection I want to talk to some of my favourite people about. In each episode, my guests will bring five tracks from their own record collections that reminds them of their lives as football fans and I'll hopefully learn a bit more about my guests along the way. It's time to welcome our first member into Cami's Supporters Club. The unbelievable Ben Shepherd, The man I have learnt so much from. Just the nicest man in TV life and real life. Ben has been a mainstay on our televisions for many years. On too many TV shows to name. But right now... He's the host of ITV's Tipping Point and a co-host on Good Morning Britain. And just for those people who don't know, we work together on Sky Sports, Goals on Sunday and ITV's Ninja Warrior. So I'm not just making this up. He literally is... The nicest man in the world. How are you, Ben Shepherd? You did that without making a mistake. That's <laughs> the first time in all the
1: years I've known you, you've gone for a link and not screwed it up. Well done, mate. <laughs> it's I'm you, very you proud. I feel me like back. a proud father. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. It was me that was holding you back, silly me. After
0: all these years, it's great to have you on board, though, Ben. You literally are sport, Billy. Rugby, football, golf the fittest man on earth <laughs> tell us how did you fall in love with football
1: um i'm not quite sure i'm the fittest man on earth but i'll take it cammy uh not that you've been one known for exaggeration
0: over the not years. at all
1: i uh i so mostly as you say i was a bit of a a pain as a child because i had so much energy I was running around all the time. So anything I could do to consume that energy, which involved team sports. So rugby, football were huge in my house. And I fell in love with football mostly because uh, my, my family are actually all big, as you know, are all big rugby fans, really, not really football fans. But I grew up in on the edge of Essex and East London, which is a very heavy football area. And it was it was mostly when I went when I changed schools at 11, that I started playing a lot of football at school and it was the playing of football more than the watching initially that I absolutely loved. And then once I changed schools, all my mates were big West Ham fans and and they were the first people that took me to see a live football match because my family were more rugby than football and not really interested. They're from the Midlands. They're actually Villa fans. But it was West Ham was the first proper game that I went to go and see. And you only have to walk into your first football stadium once and you're smitten, depending on whatever the club is. Uh, I should imagine and that was it was like that for me at Upton Park uh and I never look back
0: can you remember that first game
1: I can yeah I th- I th- I think I can't I can't necessarily remember the, I I th- have a vague recollection that it might be Borough actually we might have been playing Borough I can't really remember um the opposition but it was about it was the 1986 season so it was you know the last time that West Ham really had a standout team and Cocci and Macavelli and and I think I was sort of was it 12 or 13 years old and I just remember um getting out at the station and walking down Green Street and just being overwhelmed by the number of people. Like I'd been to the I've been to Twickenham once or twice, but it's a very different atmosphere. Like it was a really febrile atmosphere going down Green Street. And I was with one of my friends and my friend's dad, because we were still quite young at the time. And just the energy around the place, the the noises. The environment was so full on. And i like, honestly, I had these big wide eyes and I was sort of lapping up every single moment of it. And then I just remember going into the stadium and and then just the swell of noise and the crowd and the sound and the energy and that collective spirit that you get. That collective energy was like a rush I've I've never experienced and very rarely have I experienced anywhere else. Um, I remember being in the crowd and, and just watching the game ebb and flow and, and actually enjoying the game was one thing, but at watching the crowd and being part of the crowd was so uh, distracting because I'd never been anywhere like it.
0: Absolutely. We're going to go down memory lane in a bit. But fast forward to this season. Impressions, David Moyes.
1: Oh, well, look, you know, we've been very lucky, haven't we, Cammy? Because we worked together on the show where, we, where we've where we interviewed a lot of these managers and you know what they go through, you know how hard they work. And even when um, the owners decided they didn't want to keep David Moyes from the last time that he did a great job at stabilising the club, you know, they went out very adventurously and ambitiously and got Manuel Pellegrini in. And everybody sort of understood what they were trying to do. But I felt that was harsh on David Moyes, because I think that David Moyes has done a good job with us. And what's been brilliant to see is, is how he's turned the club round this season. Just sort of, we've, we've become really hard to beat. We've become really organised at the back. And as soon as you get that organisation and there's that structure, the attacking players that we've got and some of that attacking flair can really start to show off its abilities. Um, And it's been an absolute joy. It's been frustrating that we've not been able to be in the stadium to see it happen. But I've loved every single moment of it. And I think there's been so many standout players for us across the season. Um, You know, watching Declan Rice just grow and become more and more important, not just for us, but on the national scene has been amazing. I loved the energy and enthusiasm that Jared Bowens brought Aaron cresswell has been great. I don't know anybody that doesn't have Sutek in a fantasy league side and they are forever turning around going, what a great player to have in your fantasy league because he's popping up with fantastic goals and he's an amazing player. Fabianski, I think, has been standout as well. I just, you know, there's very few players in the whole team that haven't had fantastic seasons. And then, and at the same time, you know, watching Mark Noble carrying on being the legend that he is at West Ham and getting another season as well. I'm just thrilled that he's got another season. I mean, it's it's funny, isn't it, to think we're going to finish really well in a brilliant season, to think it might be an anti-climax. Because at one point, you know, we were dreaming that maybe there could be Champions League football on the horizon. And we were all pinching ourselves a little bit. And maybe that's gone, but I don't think that diminishes the scale of achievement for David Moyes and, and, um, and the team. Because, you know, from top to bottom, they have just given their all this year. And that's, I think as West Ham fans, that's all you ever want. You want to see the players wear their hearts on the sleeve. And in the past, maybe we haven't seen enough of that, but that's certainly been very evident this year.
0: You mentioned loads of players there, but one man for me who has been absolutely outstanding, unbelievable, Jesse Lingard. Oh
1: yeah. I mean, so, so there's, I mean, brilliant. Interesting. When you talk about transfers or loans at the start of the year and how important that January window can be. And when, when, when they were talking about the fact that Jesse was going to come, obviously we were all really excited because we know Jesse's got form, maybe fallen out favourite Manchester United, but a young player that has bags of ability and skill. And wouldn't it be great if he'd come to West Ham and we could try and tap into that? And the way that he's connected up with the team, he's got himself back into the England squad, um, and just reminded everybody of just what an incredible player he is, right?
0: I don't know of a lone player who 's got themselves in the England squad by playing for another club I really can 't remember anyone ever doing that
1: then i mean i do, I imagine there must be someone somewhere okay? I mean someone will put us right if you 're if you 're wrong, but regardless of it 's just been the the impact it just goes to show if you get the right person at the right time of year on a loan, the impact that person can have and just the impetus the extra attacking threat that we suddenly had, and then suddenly we 've got. We've got, we're spoilt for choice. Unfortunately, Antonio got injured and then Declan Rice got injured at a really important time of the season. And I think that there's a bit of stability that comes between those two, especially. But having Jesse there and Ben Rama, who was playing so well, but wasn't scoring, then finally got his goal. Jared Bowen being brilliant as well. And you've got Fournals and Lanzini, uh, you know, and Antonio banging in the goals. It was watching us. I, would, we would, I, I watched the games with my friends. We sort of go on Zoom and there's all four or five of us on there watching it. And it's been an absolute joy to watch us play football. Really exciting football, playing football out from the back. Defensively, the structure's been brilliant as well. So even when we're under pressure, we're we're absorbing that pressure and we weren't panicking like we always used to panic. You know, as West Ham fans, you sort of panic as soon as the pressure came on the defence because you weren't sure exactly how organised we'd be. But that's what David Moyes has made us. He's made us really organised and hard to beat.
0: Your love for football is shining through. Another link, Ben Shevard. Oh, come on then. Ben, uh, you know how much I love music and I wanted to do a podcast with a difference. So we asked all our guests for five tracks from their record collection that link to your time as a fan. How hard (laughs) has that selection been?
1: Well, firstly, I should point out that I'm not the same age as you, so I don't have a record collection, Cammy. I'm not sure many people born this side of the Second World War have a record collection anymore. <laughs> so I, uh, I went to my gramophone and I had a root through <laughs> all... No, no, no. So interestingly, it's, it's funny because you asked me this, what songs do you put with, with the team? I, I didn't have an overwhelming number of songs that I associate with West Ham. Uh, I have an overwhelming number of chants and things like that. But Finding Five, I think we've snuck in an extra bonus one, which we have to have in, um, was actually really satisfying because every one of these songs is really pertinent to a particular game or a particular moment or something that I really enjoy about West Ham. Um, so I've really enjoyed it, actually. And I put it out to my West Ham mates and there was a few ideas that that came back from them about games we've been at together, um, which I'll be able to talk you through and moments that we really enjoyed. So I've, it's been great. It's been really good fun.
0: The first track you are bringing to Kami's Supporters Club is the Beatles' Twist and Shout. Why have you chosen that?
1: Was uh, was any West Ham fan or no? And in fact, lots of sort of away fans or home fans when we're travelling away, when West Ham score, twist and shout gets played uh, loud and proud on the PA system. And it's become a chant as well. I was watching back some footage from the last game at Upton Park. And there's some amazing footage from that game when the crowd was just heaving and it was just such an extraordinary experience. But watching the crowd sing twist and shout to each other is something that feels very West Ham. It's an amazing track anyway, Cammy. You'll remember the Beatles. You were probably about 30 when they were around. <laughs> you? Like that. I was, yeah. <laughs> You're, you'll remember this first time round. Uh, but it's just a brilliant track. It's a brilliant party track. And it's a great track that is all about celebration of West Ham's glory.
0: John Lennon at his finest.
1: That voice, isn't that voice amazing? The voice and the music, it's really simple and it just works brilliantly when the fans start chanting it as well. Like one person sings the line and everybody repeats the line and it's just, and then they go then they go crazy. It's the, it's, it's the essence of celebration that I really love and that's what that song brings as a West Ham fan.
0: Well, you are a young pop and you weren't born, but how proud are you that three West Ham players, Bobby Moore... Jeff Hurst and Martin Peters were in the '66 World Cup team. What,
1: well, that they won the World Cup, that West Ham won the World Cup? Isn't that what we say? Part can't we? of. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I think that I've been lucky enough to meet, well, I didn't meet uh, Bobby, but I've been lucky enough to meet uh, a lot of, of West Ham's players from the past. And Jeff Hurst and Martin Peters uh, were extraordinary Ambassadors for the club and and characters and the, the, the statue that there is that is so important to West Ham, you know, of them lifting the, the, the World Cup trophy as well. Yeah, it's you know, I, I, like any football fan, any England supporter, I'm desperate for England to win the World Cup again. I'm desperate to sort of alleviate sort of that, 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 that decades of hurt that we haven't had another team that can go and do it. It's got close, but hasn't really ever got close enough. Um, because I think that there's an unbearable pressure on that 66 squad. It, I just remember, actually, not unbearable pressure, but it's the sort of the highlight, what it does, it spotlights how brilliant they must have been and how incredible in a home World Cup to deal with that pressure and all of that focus and still uh, achieve what they did. Um, I think it's testament to what an incredible team they must have been and, and the spine of which was West Ham. OK,
0: let's move on to your second track. What have you gone for?
1: Uh, so my second track, so sort of making it more relevant to matches that are important to me, any football fan will know if you've got, if your team's got to uh, a cup final or a player final, um, you know what the sort of the energy and the excitement, and the anticipation is like in one of those occasions. Um, our run to the playoff final of 2004 was extraordinary. I think one of my favourite games, if not my favourite game, was the was the semi-final at home against Ipswich. We were 1-0 down from the first leg. We needed to win 2-0. And um, you did the commentary on this game. You did do I the commentary did. on this game. And Matty Eddington scored one of my favourite goals at West Ham. He actually drilled it in the top left-hand corner. And I think you call him Matty Elliott in the, uh, in the commentary. Brilliantly.
0: I-, <laughs> I? don't know if you've ever listened to it back, but I was watching it the other day. No, you know me, I'll never listen back to my mistakes. Know, but there's this brilliant moment where you went, uh,
1: big moments, call for big players and Matty Elliott is a big player. He scores the goal. And, <laughs> and of course, it was Matty Um but, I, but that aside, I mean, doesn't diminish what an amazing game that was to be at. And then there's this amazing celebration after the game. And I think there's been lots of discussion because the final was a bit of an anticlimax and Palace ended up winning 1-0. But there was a bit of a discussion about whether, you know, we celebrated a bit too much that we got to the final. That aside, the final that year was in Cardiff. So it was at the Millennium Stadium. And so we travelled down, but we didn't have our tickets. And you had to go to this place to go and get your tickets beforehand. And there's all that anticipation, the nerves. Are the tickets going to be here? Be there? Will they have our, our details and, and proof that we've got them? And, and until you get the tickets in your hand and you have that feeling of, yes, I've got the ticket. We're going into the game. And we got the tickets. And it was so tense. None of us could really talk till we had the tickets in our hand. And we just got the tickets and we walked along the road and we went into a pub to get a drink that was full of West Ham fans. And this song was playing on the uh, PA. The DJ was playing it and all the West Ham fans were singing it. And it's little by little by Oasis. And it's just one of those moments where the five of us that had gone all the way down on the train, we'd got our tickets, we'd walked in, we knew we were there. Everything was going to be okay pre-kickoff. And we all just looked at each other as the entire pub was singing Little by Little by Oasis. and just still sends shivers up my spine when I think about it because there was so much hope and excitement, anticipation. We'd been playing brilliantly. We felt like we could go and do it. The game didn't go our way, but pre-match kickoff, all those nerves, anticipation, excitement, and that collective spirit that you had, that family that is your home support that were there all together, your club support that were there in Cardiff was a very special moment. Oh my God, whoa.
0: So Noel Gallagher sang that one on his own. Did he? I didn't know that. Well, I mean,
1: as you know, and everybody knows, they're big football fans as well, big City fans. So you sort of, you know, there's something in that maybe that that moment they're playing an Oasis song, day of the cup final, the playoff final, the anticipation, the excitement, the energy, the nerves, you've got your ticket, you're having a beer, you just, there's nowhere else you want to be in the world with your best mates about to go and watch the game. And then it all fell apart, obviously, because we didn't win. But those are still moments, those collective moments. It's the ups and downs of being a football fan that bring you back, isn't it? And um, fortunately, there were some high times to come.
0: Your third track, this stumped me, Ben. It's Kill Bill theme tune. Yeah, and I
1: think a big, and this will be, if you've been to Upton Park or you've been to the London Stadium before it, there is a, a theme that's played. Uh, before the 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 players walk out everybody just assumes that bubbles is our song but our uh, DJ plays this tune with the build-up of anticipation before kickoff so you know you're in the chair you've got there you've got a beer you're waiting for the game to start and the players start coming out and there's that sort of excitement and it's this is the and I didn't know what it was called actually I did the research with my mates To work out what it was called and realise where it was from. And this is the music that's played as the uh, team walk out on the pitch and and the atmosphere just builds to the roar before Bubbles is played. Um, I love this. I love this for sort of the energy and the tone that it brings to what's about to happen.
0: It's called Battle Without Honour or Humanity and it's by Ho Tay. Let's play a little (laughs) bit. Once or twice, but I'm not sure I've heard it at West Ham, to be honest.
1: Oh, you'll have heard it at West Ham. You might not have noticed yeah. because you'll have probably lost somewhere or <laughs> leading the loo or something like that. But it's, I, don't, I, I don't think it's unique to West Ham. I think it's played at a few grounds uh, pre-kickoff and you'll hear it in compilations. It's just you asked me for songs that were relevant to my experience yeah. at West Ham. And, and this is one, you know, this is the one. This is the call to arms. This is right. Come on, as the 12th man in the team as the the fans in the stadium this is a, the, your role starts here yeah
0: well I've told you before Quentin Tarantino lived next door to Vinnie Jones in LA I mean how incredible is that you know he was the other side of the wall while we were around at Vinnie's having a barbecue who lives next door Vinnie Quentin Tarantino God what a legend he is by the way Right, this is a big question, Ben. Best West Ham player of all time. You've got Moore, Peters, Hurst, Decanio, Canio, Trevor Brookin, Billy Bonds, Carlos Tevez, Rio, Joe Cole. <gasps> That's a big list.
1: So you've named you've named well. All of those are 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 hugely important players. I'm going. So there's there's two. There's one you haven't named there. Uh, and one you have named there that absolutely make it into my uh, top two or three Um, and I adore all those players particularly Joe Cole as a young lad watching him and then getting him when he came back as well I'm sort of huge fan of Joe Cole's Um, but in terms of players that I've seen my absolute hero growing up and watching a lot was Julian Dix Um, you know for a man that is sort of Mr West Ham through and through and just gave everything and you, you, a massively underrated player outside of West Ham, I think. Uh, and unfairly so. I think he's an, he was an absolute hero for all of us. Um, and then Paolo, Paolo Di Canio. Was, there was something magical about watching that man play football. You just, you just never knew what was going to happen next. There were so many extraordinary moments watching him play. I mean, when we were doing goals on and Harry told us the story about the, um, the Bradford game when he felt like he was being unfairly done by and he sat down on the pitch and he refused to carry on playing. He was trying to tell Harry to take him off and Trevor Sinclair has to dribble round him because he's sitting <laughs> down, he's doing a sitting down protest. And then and then, and then Harry tells the story about Paolo coming in saying, Harry, you've got to take me off, take me off. And, and, and Harry's going, he was calling him Paulo. He can't call him Paulo. Paolo. Paulo, Paulo, calm down. And Paolo picked up the Gatorade. He was, he's chucking it around the room and Harry's got his new suit on in the changing room. And, you know, the, the, the energy and the character of somebody like that and as a fan the the things that he did uh those moments of genius and madness along the way but those moments of genius and magic that live on he'd get the ball and and something would happen it didn't matter where you were where he was on the pitch something would happen Um, and that's what was so special about him
0: i used to do a golf day in tenerife uh for marie curie and i invited julian dix over one year and he came and he met his current wife while well, over there Really at my golf day. Yeah, that's my claim. Get to you with Julian. <laughs> you like Silla Black, <laughs> Cabby, I had no idea. Surprise
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oh how lovely. That's really cool. And actually, do you know what? And funny, you'll remember this of course, because we played, didn't we? We played with Julian down at Swindon. We played in that charity game for the Wiltshire Air Ambulance that Johnny Wilkes had organised yeah. and Paolo was the manager and um, Julian played as well. So we were in the changing room. It was me, you, Paolo, Julian Dix, some other players as well. And that, for me, I had Julian Dix and Paolo Di Canio on the same team. And, and I scored that night, as you'll remember, yeah. and it really upset you. You
0: got man of the match, but I'm not I sure did. Yes, who gave it to you. Yeah. <laughs> I think if I Paolo gave it to me but in fact
1: in fact Paolo was on the pitch at one point this is literally my my biggest claim to fame Paolo was on the pitch at one point and his assistant was managing and the assistant said and I was playing right back and the assistant said Ben, Ben come off and Paolo went crazy from the from the pitch went, no, 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 no Ben stays on the pitch and he started shouting it was a charity game and he started having a go at his assistant for making the wrong
0: substitute. <laughs> Oh, Oh, absolutely brilliant. Uh, Paolo Di Canio. From Paolo Di Canio to your fourth track. It's Britney Spears' Toxic. And I am told, Britney is a West Ham fan? Yeah, Cammy, you knew that, right? Only from you.
1: (laughs) Is it true? (laughs) So... Yeah, of course it is. She's a massive West Ham fan. She's a hammer through and through. Uh so I I in about it must have been early two thousands, I went out to Miami to interview her for um the release of a, a new single. I think it could have been toxic actually. Something like that. Anyway, and uh and we were and I was chatting with her, but I'd done a bit of research. So she has ancestry from London, from the east end of London. It's either her grandparents or her great grandparents. And I was saying, so you're actually from the East End? And she was saying, yes, yeah, I've got got family there. So I said, well, if you're from the East End, that means there can only be one team that you would support. And she said, oh, right. And I said, that's West Ham. She said, so does everyone from the East End support West Ham? And I said, yeah. And she said, that makes me a West Ham fan then. And that was it, right? So I've gone, I've done this interview and we've played out this interview. And of course, um, that, soundbite regardless of whatever went everywhere certainly with West Ham fans and I remember my friends being at the game on the Saturday after the interview and the interview had been transcribed into the West Ham program that day and it was Britney Spears is the latest hammer to join the hammer call
0: <laughs> it was all down to you <laughs> yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah. and I'm, I'm I'm reliably informed she's got she's got the irons tattooed on her arm somewhere coming
0: oh <laughs> Well, I had to... That might
1: not be true.
0: I had to Google this tune today, Ben, I'm sorry to say, uh, but let's have a listen to everyone else who knows it well. (laughs) great song, Shep, by Britney Spears, Toxic. I have to say, it's a bit high for me for a karaoke song, but what a great song, and I'm sure most of the listeners will be aware of that song. Right, your final two tracks, and not one track, is one song that I absolutely love, Paradise by Coldplay but why have you chosen? Well, us? this
1: is important and this is important for Big Sam because in 2004, when I went to the playoff final that we lost, I didn't go the next year. I couldn't go the next year to the one that we, we beat Preston, I think, didn't we? Um, and, but it was at, at the Millennium Stadium <clears throat> and I think anything as a football fan, you always dream of being able to walk down Wembley Way, to go to Wembley for a big final of a match, a big match, and see your club's colours dra- draped around the stadium. And that playoff final against Blackpool in 2011, 2012, I think it was, was my moment to do just that. And it was, you know, we were undoubtedly the favourites for going into the game. There was a lot of pressure. The team had been playing well. Um, we'd finished third in the league. Uh, I think I'm right in saying. Uh, and But the expectation was that we should win. But it was just the whole experience, turning up, walking down Wembley Way, seeing Claret and Blue everywhere, Claret and Blue around the statues of Bobby Moore, Claret and Blue, uh, drapes and banners. It's, you know, as a kid watching the FA Cup final, watching the League Cup final and seeing those colours everywhere and never having been able to go as a West Ham fan. It was amazing, absolutely amazing. And then for the match to go the way it did, and there was a replay on just the other day, Cammy. It's really interesting. I think it was on, the FA Cup final was on and, on Sky, they were showing a replay of of West Ham versus Blackpool. And I suddenly got sucked back into that game and the drama of the day. And it was one-all when I flicked it on and then I just couldn't stop watching. And then Ricardo Vazte scores the winner with a couple of minutes to go. And and there's this amaz- amazing moment when the, the trophy presentation has been done and the boys lift the trophy and it's just all kicking off. And then they played Paradise by Coldplay. And the whole crowd just starts singing Allah, Allah, Allah Dice singing Allah, Allah, Allah Dice. And, you know, can you imagine Big Sam (laughs) loving that? I mean, the West Ham fans singing his name. It was just the perfect song at the perfect moment. Oh, just the perfect words that sums up what will will be from a sort of a. A, a real football fans experience of going to Wembley, and seeing your team lift a cup, lift a trophy, you know, knowing that we were going, go, going to go back into the Premier League. Uh, it's magical. And it's such a great anthem, as well. As you know, you love it. It's such a great anthem. And I guarantee from now on, every time you hear this song, you'll be singing, singing Allah, Allah, Allah dies. <laughs> you'll never hear paradise again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, let's have a listen, Ben. <laughs> oh
1: crikey!
0: Before we play your last track, Ben. We had nine wonderful seasons together doing goals on Sunday. It's probably the best time of my career. Um, And I have to say, we had so many wonderful Uh, guests. Yeah,
1: a privilege and an honour because the the show had been going for a long time and you'd been doing it for a long time before I was lucky enough to join. And um, I just was able, you know, as a football fan to sit there on a Sunday morning talking about the football that had happened the day before with the players that had been doing it professionally the managers and the players um was just an absolute dream come true I sort of pinched myself it wasn't like work was it it was just uh it was a dream and then I had to put up with you and work out how that was going to go
0: uh, <laughs>
1: unfortunately we managed to find a sort of some common ground and just just had a great laugh it was You know, some things fit, don't they? And I think we were a good fit and that was a great experience and something that I look back with very, very fond memories. We've got loads of, I've got loads of pictures that you always used to take a picture, didn't we, and post it? And I love going back through those pictures and so many guests, Cammy, so many amazing guests and amazing moments over the years. Um, It's really hard to distill it down, but those pictures just bring back such fantastic memories.
0: 19 seasons I had, Ben. And the one thing that sticks out in my mind is you never stop mm. learning about football. There is something different every yeah,
1: day. and you used to have, and there was that was what I used to love because of your experience and let's face it, you'd been doing that show for nineteen years, but you'd been in football probably for about. 74 years before that because you were playing around the second world War, (laughs) and but and the the look of relish and enthusiasm you used to say to me I'd come in on the morning go oh we've got some great stuff for you today Ben you won't believe what they've been doing here what oh this is an amazing moment and you and I'd go go and tell no no no, I want to show it to you live so you can see it so i get your reaction and that enthusiasm and passion that you've always had for this for football is so infectious um, and and that's why I think that's why people were drawn to the program and loved watching you do it. And I was I was very lucky to be along there for the ride, mate.
0: Well, you've done so many things in your career, Ben. But I presume, uh, I hope I'm not getting ahead of myself. But one of the best things you ever did was the final game at the bowling ground, Upton Park. Tell me about so, it. So there'd
1: been so much expectation and building. We played, we'd had a really good season um, and we were playing Manchester United, you know, one of the icons of the Premier League, undoubtedly one of the most consistent teams over all the year. So it was a huge fixture at the end of the season. And I'd been asked, I'd been doing a fair bit of work with the club for quite a while. And I'd been asked if I would host the post-game celebrations, which of course was a huge honour for me and an absolute treat. And I'd gone and had uh, a couple of meetings with them. And on the day I turned up, I remember getting dropped off on a limo by a motorbike because you couldn't get anywhere near it. And and we had to get dropped off miles away because the crowds were so huge. And this was maybe two hours, three hours before kickoff. And it was absolutely heaving everywhere. People singing and chanting. and Everyone just wanted to be there, be near the ground, be a part of the atmosphere, ticketed or not ticketed. And I got into the stadium and they were saying that we're gonna to have to delay kickoff. And we sort of went through what the post-game was gonna be. And, and the whole thing, you're kind of going, look, it's gonna be a celebration, but won't it be an anticlimax if we don't win? I mean, that would have been a real shame to send the get send the 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 stadium off and away with all our memories, but a loss. And the game eventually started. And we started really well and we and we sort of, I think we went one-nil up, and it was like, this is great, the script's written, we've gone the way. And then United got back into it, and they were suddenly two-one up. And you're thinking, "Oh, we're gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna, you know, it's, we're gonna play well. We're playing well. We're gonna play well, and we're gonna lose." And then suddenly, it's two-all. And then Winston Reid gets the winner, three-two, and against Manchester United on the last night, and the absolute roof went off the place at full time, and there was this extraordinary. I remember one of the producers came and got me just before the final whistle and he brought, took me down and I was up in the Dr. Martin upper, miles away. It didn't matter, I just wanted to be there. He grabs me and, he, and you know what it's like, it's a real rabbit, Warren Cammy, getting down there. I was pitch side, watching it happen, watching those last few minutes unfold, just... Relishing the opportunity, just looking around, going, "Goodness me!" Can you imagine eleven-year-old, twelve-year-old me, who got his first taste of West Ham, coming here and being overawed by the whole place? Now I'm going to walk out and host for everybody in the stadium, every West Ham fan all around the world, if they're going to get a feed of it. I'm going to host these celebrations, and I knew how special and how how important that was for the fans. And we won the game and then and then sort of heavens opened and it threw it down. And we had all the old West Ham legends turning up in the, in the black taxis. And we had the team and the players come up. And we had some amazing fans in the crowd that we were able to talk to. And then, and of course, the one question that lots of people will say is, how can a West Ham fan be doing this about music and not have bubbles? Well, the reason I've snuck in a little sixth track, Cammy, because you were very strict and said, it's got to be five was because on this night, a version of Bubbles was played that I'd never heard before and just seemed to sum up the end of an era beautifully. The Cockney Rejects did a version that's a rock and roll version, which was just, it was, it's rock and roll Bubbles. Like we're used to Bubbles being the song that it is, but that night it was such an incredible version to hear in the rain at the end of, you know, the lifetime of this club in that home. Uh, It was just an extraordinary experience. And I was just very, very lucky that I was one of those fans that night. And first and foremost, I was a fan. And to be there to say goodbye to the Bolin after such an extraordinary fixture and a great season was, um, I've said it a few times, but, you know, was a moment I will continually look back on uh, when I sort of consider those high points of my career and my life. And that will be right up there. Just as you say, Cami, it will be right up there.
0: The Cockney rejects. I'm Forever Blowing Bubbles. Let's have a blast. I wonder why they don't play that weekly.
1: <laughs> and it was just, you know, I've heard Vera Lynn's version of I'm Forever Blowing Bubbles. It's a beautiful song. It's a really lovely song. But just as I say, on that night, on that time, on that moment, the crowd just screaming it. It was the final farewell for the song from the band and it was just perfect.
0: It's the final farewell from Ben Shepherd. You are absolutely unbelievable. You are one of the nicest fellas I have ever met in my life and you're a brilliant broadcaster. Ben Shepard. Thanks, thank Cammy. It's much. been an absolute treat thanks for listening to Kami's supporters club make sure you subscribe to Kami's supporters club on your podcast provider of choice and you'll never miss out on any of the action and if you've enjoyed listening give us a review and a rating i'll be chatting to another guest very soon as they soundtrack their relationship with the beautiful game. See you then!